officially live. There we go. We are live back uh, with our Monday episode. What is going on, everybody? We see you in the comment section. And I discussed this with JD Pryor. At this point, we feel like we have to be late only because we're consistent. If we're not anything, we are consistent and we Amen. are going to be consistent for you. And this is a Amen. demonstration. Even when we can be on time, we don't want to, you know, throw you on a throw you a curveball. Uh, we've yeah. been late, so we're gonna stay being late. What's up, JD? What's up, brother Ben? Good to see you as always. And uh have to agree with you. It's it's uh we sit here sometimes at 25, 25 minutes past, 20 minutes past, and we we watch it tick over 31 32 and and yes yes our promise we will never be 10 minutes late yeah we no, could that's be up to nine yeah we up could to be nine. up to nine so while we were <laughs> while we were late <laughs> like beyond 8 30 we had this discussion where we discussed that you can go up to nine six or seven is your your aiming point. You that's like where you want to be, but you can go up to nine. You never go into 10. 10 is disrespectful. If you're 10 yeah. minutes late to anything somebody invites you to, you're straight up, you might as well spit on their shoes next time you see them. Uh, you don't respect <laughs> them whatsoever. Um, that's a whole new decade. We don't do that here. So it'll be 809 max. I mean 839 max, but uh, we will never spit on your shoes. But this is our final episode for like a week and a half, and we all know why. And that is because it's the new, oh, well, not New Year's. I <laughs> messed that up. It is Christmas time. Whether you celebrate it or not, Christmas, families take Christmas. off. People are busy. And y'all know how we get down over here. We love. That's we how we Christmas get down. <laughs> Whether y'all like it or not, we we enjoy the holidays over here. Uh, but no, uh, I always tell people, JD, when people be like, "Yo, uh, Christmas is this, this, and that," I'm like, "Well, check it out. They've given me they've given me a federal holiday that guarantees my children are home, my wife is off, and my family can all come together. And I don't know how to go about formally requesting to change that date, like unless they can tell me how to take Christmas Day." And uh, have Congress move the federal holidays around. We're going to stick to December 25th, uh, yeah. whether or not that upsets people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I just reading the chat here. Go and report, Justin. Report, Justin. Um, and in your reason. <laughs> and in your reasons for reporting. <laughs> Is 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 overrunning on the on the tom. No, that's hey, that's so cool. that's gonna be our new DJ air horn during the Christmas seasons. So yeah. all the way up until like January uh 30th or something like that. What's the when is Christmas end? Like January technically it ends like January, like I was hoping for a, a, a phone a friend. January, uh I'm I'm lost. I'm lost know. with when you want Christmas you wanna, to end. Do y'all have Christmas in Africa? What? You you guys have like Thanksgiving, which is in November, and then you like that's pretty much the start. That's the start of yours. We have Christmas, but do like, a lot of people celebrate Christmas? Everyone celebrates Christmas. Okay. Everyone. I don't know these things. I'm not there. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 such there's there's but you know what? <laughs> 
You heard my we, wife stop cutting him off. We've got, we've got, this, this is, this is what it, this is. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. But like, uh, it's our mailbag episode. It's our, it's our mailbag episode. Now I've got some, I've got two really good questions. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you, I didn't get many emails. So I'm assuming you must have got some emails. You must I've have got, got some I've got quite a few. Okay, good, good, good. So this is out for everybody that's new here. Luckily, tonight's uh, not our real episode. We're just having fun tonight as my wife is in here ripping open a box. Yeah, uh, she, she should be ripping open your head. So <laughs> don't such violence. We don't we do not condone any type. All the views and expressions being presented by JD do not represent the show. <laughs> yeah. But uh okay, let's get real for a second. Let's get real. So it's the Christmas season. Um, and, and, and something we, we all overlook, man, is, is Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two, we see the birth of Jesus Christ, but what gets overlooked by the world as, as a whole is, is what Herod is doing in the background. So Herod is getting rid, Herod is getting rid of all the male born babies two and under um because he feels threatened his power is threatened um and let's just quickly read this he says then herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained them um where where am i from them what time the star had appeared and sent it and sent them to bethlehem saying go search diligently for the child and when you have found him bring Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So, so what happens next? Just from this, from this, if you know the story. So, what happens next is 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 Joseph receives a, a dream to flee um, to flee the region, and the wise men also receive a dream not to return to Herod and tell tell them what they have found. Um, but what's 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 really mind blowing about the the Christmas period is is we celebrate this this joyous occasion christmas is known as a season that brings extreme hope but this also poses a very difficult question for christians um and 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 the why do these things happen why do these these other children um you know why do they die how does this fit into god's plan and and just the cultural context here um i know before we jump into the questions jerusalem at the time um, we, it is estimated that the population at the time was between 250 to 300 people. So the babies that Herod killed could not have been more than between 10 and 20 babies. So when you hear Herod killed the firstborns in, in the region, uh, we're not talking about thousands. We're not talking about hundreds of thousands. We're talking about a handful of children, a little boys that were killed because he was threatened. And what we see here is is quite remarkable because in that region and if we look at matthew's gospel and the way he speaks about the birth of christ this is not a time that is celebrated the way we celebrate christmas today is we celebrate the birth of the messiah but the the, the hidden message we see here is in these in the death of these baby boys this would be the the birth of the messiah would be would be the end of all death 
This would be the end of all death for eternity. So this is the message that we see in this Herod killing children. Also, we see the way Herod dies later on. He dies a horrible death, which shows us that God is not God is not um, just letting this thing go. He's not just letting it be, but he definitely takes his vengeance on, on Herod. And the way Herod dies is, is painful. It's slow. He's riddled with disease. He's got bladder infections. Uh, he's possibly got gonorrhea and you name it. The, the man is, is, is dying a horrible, slow death. But the reminder that we have in Christmas, and, and this is, this is for, for me, this is one of the most beautiful reminders is that the birth of Christ signifies not only the birth of the Messiah, but the end of all death. Um, and God's sovereign grace um, is poured out upon even those mourning parents who, who have lost their children in, in, because of this madman, because of this tyrant. So, so what the point is, is that evil is even, even during this Christmas period that we celebrate with family and friends, we have to be mindful of the fact that evil is present within the world. Evil is around us. There are those who are deliberately evil, who seek to destroy, who seek to exercise the will that Satan has brought into this world that will of death and murder and we see that Jesus and the birth of Jesus and the way he flees and the way he comes back and his earthly ministry and what he brings and what he sets forth is this message of hope this message that because of his birth there would be no more death there would be no more death so the question is is why why do Babies die. Why do we see this evil of, of children getting hurt and, and, and murdered at such a small age? And we ask ourselves the question, what, why does God do nothing about these, these situations? And, and the question is, is this, is this part of God's will? No. God does not want any of the children. That's why Jesus goes on and he explains that, you know, it is better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and leap yourself off the highest cliff into the depths of the ocean than to harm or offend any one of these little ones. So, but we see God's plan supersedes the evil. God's plan supersedes whatever Satan tries to throw at mankind to cause us to pump our little fists up and ask God why we see the hope is Christ Jesus. The hope is in his birth, all death, all death would be defeated and he would go on to fulfill the promise of the cross. Um, so when you look at Christmas, always be mindful of, a, of, of the, the dark the dark times that fell upon Jerusalem during the birth of Christ, but the hope that would soon that would soon rise up and come back to Jerusalem. And we see blind eyes open, deaf ears open, lame healed, lepers are walking free of any disease. We see Jesus fulfilling absolutely everything that was promised that he would fulfill. And so God fulfills what he said he would fulfill. And then when Paul says to us in Romans that there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God and that God works all things for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, we see that we don't always know the the why. Uh, we don't even know the, always know the why to the question, but we know the how. And, and how this happens is that God will use it to 
to bring forth many, many more people to salvation. So praise Jesus for that. And um, hopefully that you guys can simmer on that and think about that for a, a moment as you are with your families and your loved ones during this Christmas period, that there are ones, um, there are people out there that are going through Christmas that don't have the luxury of um, family and friends and able to hop on a podcast and uh, share, you know, the love that Christ has put in our hearts with one another. So this is, this is always a, a good time to reflect and, and look back and say, well, man, imagine, imagine a world without Christ. Imagine a world without what Jesus had accomplished. And quite frankly, none of us would be sitting here. None of us would be able to love the way we do. Amen. And, and, I love that you pointed out that not everybody has family on on these days because we forget that sometimes. This is for some people, it's like the greatest time of the year, and for many, it's not like because this is where memories come up. In fact, if it wasn't for my Lord and Savior, this would be the worst month of my life because in December yeah. it is the anniversary of my father's death, my best friend's death, and my mentor's death. So the three greatest men that had impact on my life all died in December. Um, over a course of four or five years. So like, but December is when we celebrate and we think about our Lord and Savior. So like, this is a month that I'm focused on that and I love it, but not everybody has family. Like you said, not everybody has somebody and it's a rough time for some people. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's just, that a, yeah, we just sometimes get so sucked up in, 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 in our own celebrations that we forget that there are those who just don't have and and every single time the businesses close down and schools close down and everybody goes on holiday and everybody goes to spend time with their loved ones there this is a extremely lonely time for those who who don't have um family who don't have a roof over their heads mm -hmm. um and uh, this is a and often, you know, we like I say, we just get so self-absorbed, um, and it's not—it's not bad that you're enjoying your families and, and celebrating with your families. But again, like I say, just be be in constant prayer for those that are without, because um, we are to redeem the time. We are to redeem the time. There are still many people lost, um, and and I just see it from the comment sections of of my brother's videos. You know, I can just I can just go. I watch a video, and I'm like, it's such a good word. And you hop into the comment section and, and you just you just see some people that they didn't even listen. They didn't even listen to a single word that, that came out of, you know, out of Mark's mouth. It's just it's straight over their heads. And it, Remember, it, you, you, I'm wearing a crown of demons, <laughs> man, man. It's 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 absolutely tragic. If, if we could all just get back to the, the gospel, the this is what it's about. Jesus Christ was born. He was born, and and to us, what we see as I nine six to us, a child is born, and and we see this is Emmanuel, and this is why we sing the song, "O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel." I mean, this is this is the hymn, yeah, man, and and this is just a, a beautiful time for us to to reflect and I mean, and remember what the Jesus first Christ. Christmas is right here. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Listen, listen what he's saying there for a second in case you're not mm. realizing what's being mm. declared. Alongside of the angel, a multitude appears. Like, first of all, this view, this sight. Of the heavenly hosts. See, I'll say, it doesn't even say angel. The heavenly hosts, these divine beings, are singing praise to the birth of Jesus. So when people try and say there's no precedent to celebrate Christmas in the Bible, you're right. There's no precedent for what we call Christmas. However, there is precedent for shouting glory and praise that the Savior was born. So they can miss me with that because that's called fulfilling prophecy to us. A son is given. And just imagine that for a second. What's this word? Multitude, uh, which basically just means a crowd or a large number. So a large number of these heavenly hosts are just right there in front of these shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And just that statement right there. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Just something amazing yeah. right there. Amen. I guess we'll get into this episode of the mailbag episode. Uh, we so probably should have did our intros for everybody watching on Facebook and uh, uh, TikTok. Uh, you cannot comment on TikTok and Facebook. I don't think you can see everybody commenting here on YouTube. So if you want the best experience, you got to come over to YouTube. However, we do stream on these other avenues for people that are too lazy to open up their YouTube app. It's not like you don't have YouTube because I know every single one of you that has Facebook or TikTok has YouTube. So it's laziness, but I love you. <laughs> We're all lazy sometimes. I get it. Uh, do better. But seriously, um, guys, welcome to the show. We're going to do a mailbag episode. Uh, JD, you said you have a couple questions. I have one. Yeah. I've got a couple questions. I've and uh, like, I don't know how many we'll be able to get to, but I think we have enough. <laughs> yeah. One of the, the first questions I, I received is, what is one of the passages of scripture that has pulled you both so it's obviously to both of us that has pulled you both through some of the toughest seasons in your walk. What is a scripture that has pulled you through some of the toughest seasons in your walk? For mine, um, it's it's always going to be Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 from verse 17 through. Um, that's, that's, that's the go-to. And over and above that one, it's Psalm 23. Psalm, Psalm 23 and Acts chapter 20. Those are those are my two go-to verses. Uh Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one I've always wanted to get tattooed like on my back, like across my back. Because um we see so so much in, in that in that passage where David is always like he's like, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, you know, Christ has prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies, not in the absence. And this is the reminder that there, there's always going to be enemies. There's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be persecutors. There's always going to be scoffers and mockers. Um, 
but Christ has prepared a table for you in and amongst your enemies. So if your focus is on the cross, if your focus is on the gospel message, then everything around you is irrelevant. Um, these things are going to happen. I don't know what yours is, bro. I'm trying right now. Um, my life, my seasons have changed the Bible places that I've been in, right? So in my early walk, the very first passage that stuck out to me, I still remember it, the very first one during my beginning of my walk was Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind because I was early in my walk. And that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 really caught my mind because at that time I was trying to be a new creature in Christ and get rid of my old life. Both of these really talks about that walk with the Lord. You got Romans 12 talking about be not conformed, but be transformed. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, Mike, so if today was still the day this is walking here, that's uh, it doesn't matter how much we've evolved and advanced and bro, it's 2017 or whatever year, you know, you know, people always use the year as an excuse. So I was leaning there. And then, like I said, obviously my life passage, which is second Timothy, like I've been leaning on that since the day I came to the Lord. Um, second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 through 26. Um, but I mean, throughout some periods of my walk, Philippians 4, 13, obviously I know it's cliche, but uh, I don't care because it's still the word of God. In fact, it's tattooed on my forearm. It was a passage I constantly looked to when I was in boot camp. And, um, and then in my recent walk, it's, uh, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours, right? That moment where Jesus is about to say, like, Lord, I, man, I'm going to the cross for them, feeling every bit of our human emotion, our weakness, mm. our cowardice, our nervousness, our anxiety, our depression, our doubt, our 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 failure, all of it in him in his flesh. But he overcomes it because he says, not my will, which is being weighed down by this flesh, but your will, Father, because you know, he emptied himself out. So he's over there going against the flesh. So that right there um, is what in my recent life would I really lean on when I'm struggling because it's not my will. His will is what matters. So yeah. good question. Caught me off guard. Had me thinking over here. That was a great question. Great, great, great question. I like questions like that. My, I think mine over here are going to be deep. Like, not, sorry. Oh, I'm yawning. Not, like, not that that wasn't deep, but I mean like more on a uh like situational type thing let me see if yeah. i can find an easy one over here uh here we go hey mike and jd love the podcast and appreciate you both can you explain exodus 34 7 i want to know what it means when it says the third and fourth generations okay so i have no idea what she's talking about because i don't know the bible that well so let me go ahead and open up what we got here Exodus, what'd she say? 34, 7. Yeah, this is this is about curses passing down. Oh. Right here. So we've got um verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. JD, yes, that's good answers for this. Very, very important to note here that this is 
already being fulfilled in the history of Israel. We see Israel where it is now and why Israel is in the condition it is now is because of this promise. So because none of the kings, if you go through first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, we see the, the father obeys, the son disobeys, the next father, the next son obeys, the next one. So we see a constant state of rebellion and obedience to God. So what happens ultimately, God has made this promise that because, because of their, um, transgression and sin and their unrepentant hearts this spills out right down to the time of Caiaphas and the high priests where they literally put Jesus on the cross because they're oblivious to what the scriptures were actually saying about the Messiah so this does not apply directly to the Gentiles so if I if 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 Mike sins if Mike sins because we are currently under grace and covered by the blood of Jesus his sin does not affect Corbin the same with me my sin does not affect Dominic. Dominic will give account for him for himself. This is 100% to the fathers of Israel. This is a promise that God made to the fathers of Israel. So this is a prophecy um, and a promise in a prophecy about Israel, what would happen to Israel. And this has already been fulfilled. So when we go through passages like this in Deuteronomy, we have to remember the cultural context um, uh, we are no longer under ceremonial law. We are no longer under sacrificial law. So these, our sins, the moment you have believed the gospel, have been blotted out. The moment you have believed that Christ Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, your sins have been blotted out. God is no longer sitting there with a little book um, keeping your sins against you. And this is what the psalmist also writes. Blessed are those whose transgressions are not counted against them. So, um, very important to look at the cultural context um, and what what was being said here in Deuteronomy. And we can see when we look at Israel as a nation that, that this has been fulfilled in them. So as you see, I'm just um, opening up some scriptures to so show some support uh, to what JD's been saying in case you've been uh, noticing in the background. So I opened up Ezekiel where it talks about um, how no longer shall the father of uh, the son be punished for the father. And then we look here, Jeremiah 31, which is talking about the new covenant. And it says in those days, they shall no longer say the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Each go. man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. And then when we jump to the very next chapter um, in Jeremiah 32, we see, you show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. So they're talking about what's been happening prior to this, prior to this new covenant that's coming. So they're even saying to the Lord, like, you have shown steadfast love to thousands, but you have repaid the guilt of fathers <laughs> to, their, to their children. Hey, shh, but look at mailbag episode. That's what it, that's what we Corby have. Corby Corbioni. What's up, my big boy? Good to see you, man. My name's actually Corbin. Yeah, no, it's was, Corby Corbs. Shortening it. Shortening oh. it. It's Corby Corbs. I'll be up. I can't come out in a second. I'll be up there in a little bit. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing before we move on. Is, is this is why we look at deliverance ministries and I say we because Mark and I feel exactly the same when they say, oh, you've got a generational curse upon you. Let me tell you something. If you had a generational curse upon you, 
You could not break it. If God said the generations would be cursed, they would be cursed. They couldn't go to the high priest and say, yo, God put this curse on us. Uh, would you mind removing it? That That's not how it works. If God set forth curses from generation to generation, we see this. He sets before in Deuteronomy, he says the same thing. I think it's chapter 18. Again, this is why we read the from the start of the book to the end of the book and we don't just cherry pick where we feel and he says i said before you life and death blessings and curses choose life so the same thing if we look at the the cultural context and where they are there are no generational curses that follow now today where we are under grace you and i will give account for ourselves this is why we preach the gospel to each and every single living soul we don't just go preach it to the Father and say, yo, uh, now that you've got the gospel, don't worry. Every single one of your generations after you, they're all blessed. They're all going to be saved simply because you believed. Amen. So if y'all want to see a true generational curse in the Bible, I'll show it to you. And you'll understand why we don't play with this little wax stuff like they try and act like a generational curse is this little like skinned knee. It says the Lord came and stood calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, his house, meaning his family from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. God, don't let me just make something very clear in case y'all don't know this. God is eternal. So when he says forever, he's not he using forever. an exaggeration. He's not like you and me when I mean, I can eat a horse right now, man. And I ain't sleeping forever. Nah. Yeah. When God says, I will punish your house forever. It says for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Ooh. I truly believe that when I found this about six months, I didn't find it, right? But I came across this six months ago and I was like, is this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit before we even knew what it was? Because verbiage, very similar. Not a, No sacrifice will count for you. You are yeah. Your house is done forever. It doesn't matter about my son who will come later. Like you have, and what does it say? For blaspheming my house. Because if you don't know this, Eli's sons, Eli is like the patriarch and his sons were literally like doing some prostitute sex kind of stuff, you know, as much as I could say without being too uh, rated R here uh, in the temple and also doing things with money and food and all types of shady work. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's they. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I know that Amen. was unrelated, but let me go ahead and queue up the next question. And I'm going to make sure it's one that gives JD a moment. That way I can go. Uh, my son asked if I can pray with him and what kind of host of true Christian ministry. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll address I'll address this question, uh, which was sent to me by Selena. Um, how do we. Yeah, she asked, how do we approach the LGTV community with love, um, sowing seeds um, building bridges without seeming like you are condoning the sin, which okay. is a phenomenal question. I'll, I'll definitely add my two cents. I'm going to go talk my, my son in while you answer that. Remember my TikTok is on over here. So yeah, that's why I said LGTV. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I just want to make sure that we're, we're, we're both aware that the, the ears over there, you know, <laughs> so, so this is a phenomenal question. 
Um, and again, we we have to ask the questions because the the false presuppositions um, within within that community or that group or within that movement is is what you have to break down first and foremost. Um, and what do I mean by this? By we hear the statement, "I was born, I was born this way." Um, no, no one is born. No one is born with uh, lust towards a certain thing. Uh, lust and and the desires of the flesh. These these things we learn as we grow, um, and as we grow in the knowledge of of what is good and what is evil, we'll always we'll always try and find a workaround. We we'll always try and find a workaround, and and this is this is kind of like what people do with with lies you know i just told a white lie you know it's a white lie it hurts no one um but again we it's not about who you hurt yeah it's about what you've transgressed against a thrice holy god this is it's not about you and the other person this is about the god of all creation who is watching and and observing and constantly there as we know god is omnipotent he is omniscient he's always abounding he's always there he's not oblivious to the white lies so the same same principle is it's breaking down presuppositions about identity um and unfortunately in the world we live in today there are many presuppositions about identity there are presuppositions about gender um we who stand on the Bible can't even entertain these presuppositions because God has said, God has said that there are only two. God has said that he created male for female. God has said these things. Why did God say these things? Because this is God's perfect created order. This is how he designed us. And this is why he designed us so that he could show off so that he could show how powerful he is. Ultimately, if, if, if it comes down to, to building bridges um, and not condoning the sin, and, and I've had many conversations with people that have come out of, of that lifestyle who have found Christ and have come out of that lifestyle and all of their testimonies um, are, are similar and it's no different. It's no different to you or me or any other person who comes to the faith in Christ, who believes the gospel. The first thing that needs to happen is, is you need to come to terms with sin. You need to come to terms with what repentance is. You need to come to terms with what sin does to you and your relationship with god so if someone says for example i was born this way i can't help it this is who i am again your identity your identity and who you are if you're basing that if you're basing your identity and who you are on the food you like and the people you like and the comedy and movies you like you have missed the point for our identities are not who we are and what we eat and what we enjoy and don't enjoy, but our identities are found in Christ Jesus. It is only when we come to the knowledge of the truth that our true identities are revealed to us. We are nothing 
what is what does Paul say to us in Colossians? We were aliens. We were alienated, dead in our trespasses. This means you are the walking dead. You're a zombie without God. The moment you come to the knowledge of the truth, the moment you believe the gospel, that is the point where you find your identity and your identity is in Christ. So when someone says, I was born a specific way, we can always come back from the apologetic side of things and say, then a husband beating his wife can simply turn around and say he was born violent. Uh, you know, if, if, if someone gets pulled over for drinking and he says, well, before you, before you blow me or breathalyze me, just so you know, uh, sorry, officer, um, I was born with the drunk gene. I was born with the drunk gene. Um, and, and this is how we have to address it. We have to establish that the premise or the presupposition of identity and gender is misguided. And once we can break down that wall, again, we can't condone any sin. We can't condone any sin as Christians, but we know that we too are sinners. So you speak from a place of neutrality. I too am a sinner. We don't look at that sin as some extra sin. That's a sin with a little bit of extra cream and a cherry. No, sin is sin in the eyes of God. There is no difference between the white lie and that community. There is absolutely no difference. And this is the problem with most Christians. They elevate that sin above gossip, for example. Proverbs 6 makes it, makes it abundantly clear that those that are swift to run into mischief spill the blood of the innocent and bear false witness against their brothers. That's what God hates. That's an abomination to the Lord. So we, when we see this, we, we show them. We show them that where their mindset is and their worldview is, that's where the flaw comes in. It's got nothing to do with the sin itself. That's me. I told you that's my new air horn for today's episode. You know, I have no idea what you said, though. So it's like I, I want to say things, but I'm like, what if I just repeat everything that JD said? Because we're always like right here. Right. I mean, you and I are pretty, uh, pretty locked on when it comes to that. I'm assuming you talked about uh, their sin not being any greater. And uh, is that about, about what you focused on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just again, breaking down the presuppositions of I was born this way. No one is born. Okay. That so you way. approached how yeah. to discuss with them why it's not natural. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So um, the question sounded like it was on a personal level, right? Because here's the thing. <clears throat> there's, there's speaking prophetically and then there's uh, discipling, right? So when it comes to speaking about the alphabet group in a prophetic way, then it's like what me and JD do. We're speaking to the masses, right? When you speak to the masses, you don't play you don't play games with the word of God. You don't you don't try and you know help people understand the nuances because everybody's life is different and everybody has different things going on. So you speak the word of God. This is wrong. This is wrong. Now, one on one with someone, I, I think JD probably emphasized this. As long as we can acknowledge that we're sinners, right? We don't condone it, but it's not about focusing on that one sin. Because here's the truth of it. Let me open up something real quick. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are, are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. How many are guilty at one point in their life? 
uh, a lying tongue. Listen to what that says. God hates a lying tongue. And I bet there's a lot of people out there with a lying tongue that act like the homosexual is the worst thing to ever exist while they sit there with a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Okay, maybe you feel like you don't do that. But Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you have committed murder in your heart. So I've murdered many in my heart. A heart that devises wicked plans. Just wanting to do something wicked. Devising wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Oh man, we all then ran to some evil at one point. Ladies and gentlemen, as I continue down this, if you aren't realizing this, but you've committed everything that God hates. You have. I mean... Everything, at least in your mind, you might not have physically done, like I said, uh, shedding innocent blood, but we have done everything that God hates. One who sows discord among brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been on TikTok in the Christian TikTok community, 90% of them do that one action right there. Sowing seed, I mean, sowing discord among brothers, purposely trying to cause division, and God hates that. Like this might be unrelated to that question, but let this be a conviction moment for some of you. If you didn't, if you weren't aware of this, but just being that divisive argumentative type, God hates it. Hates strong word. Right. But I don't, I don't even see homosexuality up here. Now don't get me wrong. Is it, is it abomination? The Bible makes it clear. Yes. My point is that's not the only thing. It's not the only things that God despises. It's not the only thing that, God looks at with disgust, okay? So the, at the end of the day, we need to understand that to not treat them differently. We go to them saying, you are a sinner, I am a sinner. Not, well, let's talk about this one sin of yours, right? Like, like that can't do that. But on the other side, there's a group of Christians in this world that are also doing the opposite. I talked about this today. I mean, I'm sure that people saw it, the news about the Vatican coming out and and talking about the possibility of blessing same-sex unions, not in a marriage-type way, but in a blessings that the Holy Spirit may guide you and guide you closer to him. My problem with this is we are acting like this isn't the same as any other sin. I would love to ask the Pope if he would bless a man in adultery. If I came to the Pope and said, I have a mistress and I love her to death, and, and, and I would love to have this blessed. Would you bless someone actively living in sin? Because the argument is, well, we're all sinners. Yes, yes, but we do not condone sin. Would you bless somebody who's actively abusing children? Yeah. Right? Would, if a father comes to you and he's beating his wife and his son, and he's like, look, I, I'm dealing with alcoholism. I can't keep my hands off of them. But really, I'm just trying to look to like keep my head straight and everything. So can you bless my marriage? I would hope that a priest would say, "We, you and I need to sit down and discuss yeah. what's going on in your life. Right? So there's that flip-flop, right? You have to stand firm and tell them. I had, I had someone that I was close with in the Marine Corps that uh, identified that way. And he knew where I stood, and we just never discussed that. He knew where I stood and, and I treated him as a human being and, 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 I, and I loved him. And we never discussed that he knew not to bring it up around me or think or not to bring things up around me on purpose that he knew I would be bothered by. I made it very clear where I stand on it. And I told him that's not personal. Right. So yeah. I believe that if you do that and you show respect and love then you're going to get it back. Some people have been hurt and, and always remember that you don't know the Christians that they met before you, because even though you might not be judging them or treating them like dirt, the last 10 Christians could have spit on him for all you know. Yeah. Right? So 
do your best to be the best image of Jesus that they could ever imagine meeting. So that way they want to know more about Jesus and they open up the Bible. Be a reason yeah. they want to know who Jesus is. So show them love, show them grace, be firm on what the word of God says, but have a hand that reaches out to help. Amen. Amen. Okay. I mean, we, we, that's, that's, that's exactly, exactly it. The moment, the moment anyone behind a pulpit, and, and this is not just aimed at Catholicism, uh, this is aimed at, at, at the Mike Todd's and the Joel Osteen's as well. They stand up behind the pulpit, which is supposed to be a, a place where you bring honor to God's word by bringing honor to God. Um, when we are reading God's word, it is not about, uh, okay, I'm just going to read a, a Bible story. When we read God's word to uh, the masses, we must read God's word in a way that it brings honor to his name, not just, yeah, yeah I'm going to throw out a couple of scriptures here. Um, so, so that is absolutely, if it's going contrary to the word of God, then those those men who have been put in those positions um, are in error. They are in error. Um, I saw a question from Steve um, with regards to praying for world leaders and, and governments, um, and you feel uncomfortable doing that. Again, when you're praying for world leaders, pray that God convicts them. Uh, pray that God convicts them and, 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 and straightens their path. That's, that's the I'll, best way to pray. I'll give you the best advice I can give you on praying for world leaders. Imagine that the countries that we all live in are airline jets with a lot of fuel in them. You would pray for the captain of that jet, no matter how much you like him or not, because you know that if it crashes, a lot of people die, whether it's on the ground or in the plane. So outside of my plane, people can get hurt and people in the plane can get hurt, right? So no matter who I like in office, we should be praying for them because their decisions are so impactful that bad Bad decision in that in those offices can change the world tomorrow. One mm. bad decision is all it takes, and bombs go off, right? So, uh, just like it blows my mind when when presidents get elected and then the country's all against the you know half of them are against it. It's like, yo, I get it. Prior to this moment, and speak what you want to speak about when they're in office. Like they should be doing this better, but you should never hope for the failure of the person driving the car you're mm. sitting. Like, can you imagine being in the back seat? Like, yo, I hope you crash so bad, bro. Like, that's the mm. stupidest person in the world. <laughs> yeah, yo. and that—that's exactly that. That's that's a perfect analogy because we we see we see so many people do this, and not just not just in 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 government, but in the workplace. If you've got a boss who's an atheist and he's a tyrant, again, uh, praying for them to fail is God's not going to honor that prayer. Uh, praying for them to repent, praying for them to believe. This is where God can intervene. Um, so we we always pray in a way that points people back to Christ. We don't pray in a way that we can be standing towering above them with the ha 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 told you so. Um, that's not the that's not the that's not the purpose of the Christian. The goal is never to win the debate. The goal is to see someone converted, and this is. One of the biggest reasons why I don't do TikTok debates, not because I'm incapable of debating, but because 90% of these debates are unfruitful. And, and these atheists, Muslims, and whoever they are, they've already made up their minds. Um, they're not interested in the truth. They're only interested in, in, in getting screen time. They're only interested in a platform. They, they, want, they love the sound of their own voices. They want to be up there. So... This is why I don't even indulge in, in, in TikTok debates because they're never fruitful. They never go anywhere. Um, ultimately, it's about conversion. 
It's about you know seeing what? the people saved. I would love. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, just want to just want to throw this out there. In the year 2024, I want to schedule a mock debate with JD. Now, I don't know what, what's I would love to debate JD to show you all how to have a proper debate. I would even be willing to take a position I don't like, Ugh. you know, because we agree yeah. on everything. I mean, maybe. Ooh, maybe that's how I reveal my eschatology of a respectful debate between you and me on eschatology. Yeah. That sounds good. We'll think about it. We'll talk about it off air. Talk about it off air. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I like this next question. Um, this question comes in saying that they're dealing with this question from a non-believer, but they have the question about Isaiah 45, 7 and Proverbs 16, 4. And I love this question because I answer it so many times. <laughs> That's it's the best thing ever. But uh, let's dive into it real quick. We're going to do this. I'm going to try and do this quickly because I've hit on this before, but tonight we're going to answer questions. So. Isaiah 45, 7 uh, is where we look at it, right? Yes. Now, the reason why most people will use this is because it, depending on the English translation you read, it's easy to take this out of context. Many of you are aware of what this says. God says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Now, immediately people say, oh, my goodness, it says God creates evil because that word uh, calamity is ra'ah, which to uh, be translated can mean evil, disaster, if you see over here, uh, badly made of small worth, poor. Uh, let me come down here to do uh, or be evil or bad. Um, there's even more. Uh, it, it can continue to open up, but I don't have the Hebrew definition up and open. Give me one second. Uh, Hebrew dictionary. Let me link it to this exact one that we're in. Oops. All right, let's do this one more time. Calamity. Uh, and that, of course, my Hebrew dictionary doesn't have this one in it. It, it, as we see over here, sadly made of small worth, poor, badly made of small worth to do or be evil or bad. And then here's the different words that it's translated into bad, badly, harm, harmful, wicked, trouble, ugly, and many other words, right? So let's look at the actual context of this rather than trying to read this out of context. So God in Isaiah 45 and Isaiah 44 is speaking to the people that are following false idols. And he's challenging them like, yo, where's your false idols at? Who are they? There's none like me. I am the one, right? And in Isaiah, uh, I believe it is, let me see the cross-reference, 41.23, we see, tell us what is to come hereafter that we may know that you are gods, do good or do harm that we may be dis dismayed and terrified, right? So we see this reference to that a god should be able to defend his people, destroy his enemies, create life, etc. Well, let's let's see what Yahweh says he's capable of. He says, I form light and create darkness. Here's something interesting I want you to focus on. The, the way that the wording that the Holy Spirit chooses, I have to wonder if it's just so beautiful for, you know, because he's so amazing. But darkness is the absence of light. And if you were to form light, it would create darkness. And that making well-being, that word well-being here, let's open up the Hebrew so I can show you. The word well-being is being translated from shalom. Oh, I lost where I was at. Go down, go down, go down. I don't want that thing open up at the bottom. Hold on. There we go. Forty-five seven. Here we go. I make well-being shalom. 
right? So that word of shalom is to have peace, safety, no imminent danger. And who does he make shalom for? Israel. When he makes shalom for Israel, what is the counterproduct of that? What happens? Their enemies see destruction, right? So he, he forms light and creates darkness because with light, darkness must come. And for him to make shalom for his people, that means his enemies will meet disaster. And ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to say it or not, to an enemy, God is evil to an enemy, right? Because what does he do to them? He destroys them. He crushes them. He makes them his footstool. Yes. God destroys and brings disaster and calamity to his enemies. Absolutely. The problem is that people see this and they try to imply immoral evil. Why? Because when you and I see the word evil in the year 2023 in English, the word evil to you and I is killing a baby, graping a child or a human being, right? That's evil, immoral evil. However, that word ra'ah would describe a tornado. That word ra'ah would describe a fire. That word ra'ah would describe a battlefield where people are being slaughtered and killed. That's, <laughs> is war evil, right? If, 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 if someone's fighting for the good, is that evil or is it disaster and, and destruction? Mm, because mm, you like, was it evil yeah. when the Americans killed the Nazis, right? It's, it's definitely destruction and death and, and, and bloodshed, right? So no one's sitting here saying it's a beautiful thing. But immoral evil is not the same as evil. Now let's go over to Proverbs 16 because this is another one I get a lot of, actually. I might have to clip this for TikTok. I've been getting a lot of people asking me this one. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Be steadfast love and faithfulness. Iniquity is atoned by steadfast love. And faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So what do we have here, right? Well, first of all, it shows the forgiveness in Christ Jesus by steadfast love, which Christ getting on that cross is that steadfast love. And faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, we turn from evil and turn to God. Amen. Hallelujah, right? But there's this little moment in here. Even the wicked for the day of trouble. Well, God created everyone. And unless you're willing to admit that everyone has a purpose— even the wicked, that would mean God created purposeless things, but God didn't. This goes hand in hand with the question of predestination. What is it exactly did God predestine? Well, in eternity past, God decided that Jesus will be the lamb slain before eternity past. So your salvation was already attributed in eternity past, which means heaven and grace and purpose for those that are saved was decided. You know what else was decided? Justice for the wicked. So the wicked do have a purpose, whether they like it or not. The truth is, and I want all of you that have this question to hear me, God has given you choice, absolutely. And both of those choices have been predetermined with an outcome. And you get the option of choosing which purpose you fulfill. Do you want to fulfill God's purpose of grace and mercy? Or do you want to be God's uh, uh, purpose of justice? No matter what, you will be used to glorify God. That's what I love about it. Enemies of God don't realize this, but no matter what, you will be used to glorify God. You just have chosen to show off his power and justice as you stand in opposition against him. Um, but I don't know if you want to add anything to those two, JD. No, that's, 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 that's so well said. Again, um, 
<clears throat> we can easily, and this is why we always say, look, we seek to reconcile and, and we seek to harmonize the passages of scripture. The moment something seems like it's contradicting, then it's our understanding that is flawed and not the scripture itself that is contradicting. Um, and what we see, again, this is, this is uh, I'll give you a classic example, the commandment, thou shalt not kill. That's what you hear a lot of people say, thou shalt not kill, but that's not the commandment. The commandment is, thou shalt not murder. There is no commandment against killing because if there was a commandment against killing, then how would they slaughter their animals? How would then every single time you have a KFC bucket? Well, guess what? You're a murderer. The the two don't go eh, hand in hand. Killing and murder are not the same thing. So again, when we see the evil presented here, God is not responsible for evil that goes against His moral code, that goes against His judge just nature that goes against his sovereignty god is perfectly just if he wasn't perfectly just then he would simply have when satan deceived eve he would have gone okay first try failed snap my fingers destroy adam and eve let's start again no god had a plan from the offset that that this is how it would play out and this is how jesus christ would save the world and again God is not a puppet master. He doesn't sit there pulling the strings, tugging the strings, directing, oh, this, that, this, okay, this is going to go this way, that's going to go that way um, in order for this to happen. Ultimately, we see that no matter what happens, no matter what the devil tries, that the, the, the fulfillment of Scripture, doesn't matter how it takes, how it comes about, it will come about. So if God has said it, it will be so. That's so the main thing. Oh, my bad, I thought you were done. No, I am done. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and add something. So the Bible tells us clearly that God laughs at his enemies who gnash your teeth at him um, and, and he gets justice. But I can show you that just because he sees that wicked as their purpose and, and, and Proverbs 16 says that it doesn't mean that he finds joy in it. Look at Ezekiel 33 with me. Say to them in verse 11, as I live, declares the Lord God. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? God exists differently than us, and I don't think we understand this, but it is so it's possible for God to love and hate at the same time. You and me, we, we really don't function that way, right? So God can hate a lying tongue but love the one whom the tongue, tongue belongs to. God can hate the hands that shed innocent blood while loving the person that the hands belong to. And his love and his mercy, but his justice all fit together. They do. So even though, yes, if you stand against him, you will have a purpose. I will be glorified in my justice over you. I will destroy my enemies. But that does not mean God is like, I've created you for destruction. That's your only way. He's sitting there saying, Turn from your evil ways. Come to me. Come to me. He is a he is a just God that looks at you and says, I must be just. Don't make me do it. Don't make me be just. And the problem is atheists stand there and instead of saying, I, I, I need forgiveness, they say, well, why do you have to be just? It's like they're arguing, <laughs> like they're trying to argue with God, like, well, why do you have to be just? And he's just like, yo, I'm offering you forgiveness, please. Just come because if not, I have to, I have to punish you. And they're just like, well, yeah. why can't you waive the punishment and also not require me to 
come to you? Like, can I just have this little spot over here in your creation? You leave me alone. I leave you alone. And you know, we're mm, good. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a lot of people look at it that way. Again, it's, it's, uh, the, the, the problem with the human mind is, as, as the scripture says, the, the carnal mind is an enmity with God in, and the carnal mind is trying to bring God down to fit the narrative that they've already created, to fit the box that they've already built. And, and if God doesn't fit in that box, um, then, then unfortunately it's not a God that they're interested in, in, in knowing anything about because any one of us can go through the Bible and, and cherry pick, uh, the, the descriptions. And, and this is why I always say to people, not everything described in the Bible is prescribed by God. This just goes to the honesty and the, and the sovereignty of God. He doesn't leave out any details. He tells us that David was an adulterer. He tells us that David was a murderer before he tells us that David was the one who was, whose heart was after God. And, you know, we sit and we look at this and, and what this is supposed to ring true in your heart is to say that I am also a murderer. I am also an adulterer and God can still there is still refuge in him for me because of the finished work of jesus christ this is the beauty of the gospel this is the beauty of the gospel from Gen genesis through to revelation that those who had their hearts hardened those who were once enemies of god we see them become lovers of god and servants of god because of god's goodness towards them it's not because of something they did for god it's because of something god did for them See, he reveals himself in amidst, in and amongst all these things that you are going through. God reveals himself time and time and time again. And, and many who come to the faith, many who have believed the gospel will tell you, honestly, God has been calling me since I was young, but I didn't listen. Listen to many personal testimonies. People will be like, I knew the truth and I suppressed the truth, which then we look at Romans 1 where Paul says, everyone knows God. Everyone knows the God of heaven, but they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They prefer the darkness. Uh, we see the same in John 3. They, this is the condemnation. This is the condemnation that they chose the darkness. They chose the darkness. Why? Lest their deeds would be exposed. Lest their hearts are exposed. So when people come, with, when we look at, and this is what I covered on, on Discord um, on the Discord study this past Saturday, uh, with you know, you know, with the few people we had in the chat, was exactly this: morality and evolution cannot go together. Atheism cannot—they cannot justify morality. The the there is no justification for morality in the atheistic worldview because everything is permissible. Uh, survival of the fittest. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's what it comes down to. Then they say, yes, but you mustn't lie. Why mustn't we lie? What is the, what is the premise? Why can't we lie? Because lying is, is God says. God says we shouldn't lie. So why could the atheist even justify not lying? He can't justify not lying because he's got no morality. There is no moral code. There is no foundation for the morality. So... Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely imperative that we look at, at the atheist's worldview and we point out how many times they have to borrow from the Bible in order to make their point. Because they don't even know they're doing it, but they're constantly borrowing from the Christian worldview in order to make their point. What is good? What is evil? There is no good, or no, uh, there is no good nor evil in an, in an atheistic worldview. 
in an evolutionary worldview, there is no difference between good and evil. It's simply, I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. And this is what we see with these uh, Jay-Zs and, and, and Hollywood at the moment. Do what thou wilt. You know, take what you want to take, step on who you want to step on. And ultimately, everything is meaningless. Everything is pointless. And if people say, I'm working hard to leave a life for my grandchildren, why? Why? If ultimately they're just going to die and there's going to be nothingness, why are you even striving to leave anything for your grandchildren? It's pointless. And, and this, is, this is why we have to show them that without God in the picture, everything is admissible everything is permitted there is no such thing as good and evil if the god of the bible is is not real <laughs> where's it where's our jam i was waiting for the jam <laughs> that one deserved just a standing uh, uh applause for you um okay so we got we got a good question from from uh, mel um and she said she um, asked, uh, how do I remove Santa without causing trauma or issues? I also oh, have to think about, question. yeah. And she also said, I also have uh, to think about my niece because she's extremely fragile in her emotions and stability. So removing Santa from Arthur, it won't be this year, but I don't want to continue either. And while living with my mom, it's difficult to re remove anything like that because she tends to go behind my back. Um, she's grandma, so there's no harm. And then with my niece, it's not my place to tell her that Santa isn't real. So doing Santa for her, but not, not Arthur, because we are a close-knit family, um, is going to be a problem. So that, that's a very good question. Very, very good question. Um, I mean, let me just say something real quick. Don't let anybody put fear in your heart that growing up believing in Santa will somehow make your child regret you and 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 I mean resent you because you lied to him. People will be like, you're just lying to these kids. Like I, I'm not sitting here telling you to teach your kids about Santa, but I just want to point something out that it's not like scarring. There's a lot of great Christians who grew up and their parents told them about Santa. There's also some horrible Christians who don't aren't Christian anymore or were never really Christian who were raised not being told about Santa and told about Jesus all the time, right? Like that's not going to change. This one time of the year and how we treat it means nothing compared to how we are the rest of the year with our children. So I just want to take away any type of fear with anybody on that note. Now, yeah, I can't, you know, Arthur better than us. I'm going to be very honest with you. The answer is don't doubt yourself on your decisions on what you make, because you're obviously, you know, worried about these different, uh, you know, ways that this can be done, but you know, all of them way better than JD and myself. know. Uh, you know, the best way to do this at the end of the day, I'll tell you like my oldest, he just didn't, he just knew. And he, I remember him telling me like, you know, I know that's not real. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Cause I don't like, I'm not a big fan of doing it like that's Santa, right? But like, if the kids want to believe in it, I don't sit there and bug them about it either. I'm like, no, that's not true. They love watching the little Christmas movies. My oldest knows that it's not real, but he don't ru ruin anything for the little six-year-old. Um, now, granted, we don't give a lot of credit to Santa or anything like that. We let them just watch it on TV and be like, Santa, most of the presents is from me, girl. Yeah. I'm against that. There's this weird thing that people do where they give the big gift from Santa. Like, why are you giving Santa all the credit for what the parents do, bro? Santa got you some socks and some underwear, bro. Like, like that that big gift was from me. You like, because this isn't from Santa. This is hard work that your parents worked hard yeah. to get. Don't be entitled. So that I'm against. I'm not. I'm not for the like 
pretending that Santa's the reason why they get gifts that are nice and whatnot. Cause I want them to understand that not everybody gets these nice gifts because also if you, if you lead your children to believe that the nice gifts come from Santa, if you're a person that does that, they're going to go to school and be like, Santa got me the Xbox one series X that's cost $600. And then someone else's kid who Santa could only afford uh, a belt and some socks is going to be like, Santa doesn't love me. Right? So if you're going to do Santa, if you choose to do Santa, then I always say, let Santa be the reason that your kid gets the cheapest things. Let let your kid know that anything that was expensive was because their parents went to work, spent time at work, and earned it for them so that they don't feel entitled yeah. to it. Yeah, so with, with, with that, like I say, always I, I don't lie to your children in the sense that if they go to school and, and someone tells them Santa isn't real – um, and they go, oh, wow. And they come home and they're like, yo, so-and-so told me Santa isn't real. Um, that's your opportunity to go, yeah, he isn't real. Um, it is something we do. Um, but don't don't carry. They go, oh, they stupid, man. No, they're lying to you. Santa is real. So yeah. it's, and this is why I said don't lie to your kids. Don't lie to your kids. Uh, do whatever you want to do. Um, and for each household, it's going to be different. My children know that Santa doesn't bring them presents. They know the presents come from mom and dad. They know that there isn't a fat dude in a red suit coming down a chimney. Number one, we don't have a chimney. Um, and number two, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible. He goes <laughs> down a little pipe on the roof and like a chimney manifests. <laughs> and then Tim Allen is in your living room, Ren. And I'm, I really... I would love to have Tim Allen come to my living room and have a conversation with him, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so, so again, it just comes to just be honest with your children with, with everything. Uh, and this includes the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy. And, and if, if they've asked the question, then be honest and say, if they say so-and-so said it isn't, it isn't. Nah, bro. <laughs> that Easter bunny crap. Now that's stupid. Let's just be very honest. Like I get Santa Claus cause it stems from whether people want to admit it or not. It does not come from some pagan a guy that wore red clothes and ate children. It's based on St. Nicholas, the man who punched Arian in the face over the fact that he just, he said Jesus wasn't God. Uh, so like whatever. Right. But like the Easter bunny, like, bro, a bunny came and brought you some candy. Nah, yeah, we're not even gonna play that game. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, 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 it's it's exactly how you know, teenager put it in the chat as well. Each household's gonna do it differently. Uh, you're gonna have a 10 year old that believes uh, in Santa Claus, and then some brat kid at school is gonna be like, You're such an idiot, man. There is no Santa, and he's gonna ruin it for that kid. Ultimately, that you know, we we tell our kids, You, your, your gifts are from your mom and dad. Um, we we work hard to give you what you have. It's not according to behavior. It's not because you were a good kid this year and Santa had you on the good list and the others were on the naughty list. And that's why ultimately each household needs to deal with this um, accordingly. But most importantly is, is don't lie to your children. If they're asking you, this is, this is one thing I learned in, 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 and, and the best parental advice I received. And I always pass it on. If your children are old enough to ask you the question. If they've asked you a question, you don't get to decide whether or not they're ready for the answer. If they're capable of the question, they're capable of receiving the answer. So this is the biggest problem uh, we find in America today is, is parents will lie to their kids and the children will then build resentment towards their parents. And this is why I say then 
uh, comes a point where this child is 16, 17 years old, and they're like, oh, by the way, um, let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sorry, but it's a little bit too late. Uh, you spent all these years uh, putting all these other things down their throat, and now that you feel they're old enough to hear the gospel, now you're going to give them the gospel. Um, this is a dangerous mistake. Um, and, and again, I say American households because I see it all over the television. I see it all over uh, these these sitcoms and shows. It's 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 always pampered. It's always hidden. So be honest with your children. If they ask you an honest question um, and, and they're old enough to ask the question, then they're old enough to receive the answer. Um, again, um, use your discernment and don't lie to your kids. That's that's what it comes down to. Don't lie to your kids, man. <laughs> Yeah, and over here in my house, we actually uh, we uh, believe in Calvin Claus, which all the kids are bad, total depravity. So nobody gets presents. Um, <laughs> let's go with an easy, lighthearted question before we get into a deeper one. Uh, this one is especially for JD because I don't know how to answer it. Uh, my answer would be honestly, well, no, I do know how to answer it, but maybe I'm wrong on this. It says, "Hello." I wanted to know if animals will be in heaven, especially our pets. I know it may not be the most important question, but in general, what will heaven be like? Thanks, God bless. So I can't tell you what heaven will be like. Only what the word of God has declared could even get as close to it. And everything the word of God declares about it is unfathomable. On top of that, nobody's seen the new heaven, which is what we would uh, be focusing on as far as eternity-wise, new earth, new heaven, uh, because it's not a, it's not there yet. Uh, but I'll answer the beginning part because this is actually, I know you might think it's a stupid question, but there's no such thing as stupid questions. Uh, just stupid people that ask questions. I'm just joking. But on a serious note, no, your pets will not be in heaven. And here's why I say this. Maybe JD will tell me I'm wrong because they don't have the spirit of God in them, right? So animals aren't made in the image of God. They're not, no, no let me, let me just say, please bear with me because I have a good news to this at the end. They're not made in the image of God. They're not, you know, uh, walking around with the same kind of spirit that we have where they're, I don't know how to put it, but thinking like us, they're not sentient like us. They're not the same as us, right? God came to pay for our sins. Now, there will be animals in heaven. How do I know that? Because the Bible makes it clear as on earth is in heaven or as in heaven is on earth um, that everything. In fact, the Bible also says that everything on earth is a, uh, imperfect version of what's in heaven, right? For example, when Moses was told to uh, build the tabernacle, he was taken to heaven and shown the true tabernacle and said, hey, make it like this, right? And what is what do we know about Jesus? It says he goes before us into that tabernacle, not made by human hands in <laughs> the, um, in the, um, uh, uh, in, in, in heaven, right? So, uh, just want to throw this out there that uh, there will be animals in heaven. And here's the thing. These animals in heaven will probably make you forget all about these dumb animals on earth. Like, I get it. You love how your dog sniffs his own butt and licks his, you know what, and does stupid stuff, right? I get it. They're so cute. And they're like, oh, look at me, daddy. I love you so much. Can they just love to be my little servants? Uh, but the animals in heaven can probably like do backflips and fly. Let's, let's just be real. Like we're talking about the horse with the wings, right? Now I'm just making, I don't know. That's Greek mythology. But my point is I'm pretty sure heavenly animals, like we've seen what our father can do. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to show off a little bit. 
But, you know, hey, if y'all really want to stick with these cats and dogs on this planet that just don't really care about you, hey. Yes, yes, the biblical answer. I see someone here in the chat said they definitely have souls. Um, would you... Uh, <laughs> would you kindly point me to the, would you kindly point me to the scripture that's that says that um because <clears throat> that's an unequivocal statement saying they definitely do um here's the biblical answer no one knows no one knows no one knows whether or not your pets will be in heaven um there are people that believe that their pets will be with them in heaven and there are other people that go absolutely not that's ridiculous that's that's just madness what? um either way uh, <laughs> our focus should not be on whether or not our pets are going to be in heaven. You, when you get to heaven, you're going to be in awe. You're going to fall flat in your face and you're going to worship God. Uh, you're not going to get there and go, yo, Jesus, where's Pepsi? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's no, not, I, I wouldn't do that anyway. So I don't know why we use that example. No, you I'm know, and like, I'm, I'm just using that because your wife put it in the chat. Like, I don't yeah, know no. dogs names, Coco or, you know, Milky, milky Sineda's moo, dogs are actually, I mean, Sineda's pets are actually saved if they've listened to every TCM podcast. We have that ability here. Just want to throw it out there. Um, yeah, that's that's the other thing I was going to say. If your dog has believed the gospel, if he can quote the, if your dog can yeah. recite the gospel, I believe he will be. I for believe your dog you, will you know be. That's a great point, JD. For all of you here that have, uh, are out here talking about, no, I, I refuse to accept that. How many of you have sat down and preached the gospel to your dog or cat? Because if you really was serious about wanting them in heaven and you ain't preached the gospel to them, then shame on you over here talking about, no, I can't go without my pet. But I ain't see you sitting down with kittles and bits talk about, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No. <laughs> like your fault right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah well, that, that's exactly listen listen i'm just again a little bad news here guys your dogs and cats aren't gonna be in heaven and here's why uh because they're not jesus said there's not even marriage in heaven so why do you think that even if they were in heaven why do you think that their idea of eternity is to be your slave like let's let's not let's not joke about it dogs and cats are basically your little servants yes some people let them do whatever they want however they can't leave they eat when you tell them to eat. Some people beat them and lock them up. Like you might let them sleep in your bed with them. Like, bro, I think their eternity is not with you. Like, I can imagine my dog's eternity would be just running off in the uh, uh, open field somewhere. <laughs> now we're getting we. This was a. This was a. This is a, a touchy subject. I, I see for some. I know, know they got of... real hype. They was ready to fight over their dog. <laughs> they was the chat's they, being they, popped they up. In here <laughs> watching atheists burn all day long, but the dog's not going to <laughs> heaven. Mira's like <laughs> straight up. She's like, dogs are better than spouses, man. Like, how do you even have a spouse? Like, get rid of your husbands. Hey, buy oh, a dog. Actually, you know what, JD? I'm sorry, but I think I have to do something. So this might be a conviction moment. Guys, you know that I have this weird condition called uh, uh, offend people I love if I have to. So this brings up a very important topic for 2023. Some of you might be like, okay, I was just joking anyway, so I get it. Or some of you might feel convicted. So in Romans 1, it talks about how we exchange these things for these creatures. And I can't help but see that in America, the way we treat dogs and cats is almost a form of idolatry. I just want and I'm not I'm not saying any of you guys, but I just do want to I do want to point this out that we be careful not to because I see dogs and cats 
that are literally eating better than people in other countries. Not saying your dogs or cats do, but I see the commercials with the expensive food. It'd be like only the best cut meat for your animals. I'm looking at this meat like, yo, it's people that be begging for food like that. Um, people that treat them like spouses, treat them like children. God said that children are, are the arrows in your quiver. Your spouse is your helper. So let us, all jokes aside, um, again, sorry to be the guy that tears down the fun that we're having, but I do know that in this country, there are people that have literally taken their animals and lifted them up into this idol. Like they're like humans suck and children are terrible, but my little, my little, my little things right here, look at them. And they, you know, yeah. dress dogs are the best people. Dogs and are the best. I got two dogs and I really do enjoy having dogs, but I always have to remind myself like it's just a dog as a dog. Um, But yeah, there are people in this country. We have to remember that. So be careful not to become that where you forget that God's creation for us uh, wasn't about us raising dogs, but rather having dominion over them. Right. The dogs are we have dominion over the beasts. Is this a serious question now that we're done talking about animals? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to ask it to you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I tend to overthink a lot, and I know that things that don't proceed out of faith is sin. But what if we grew up believing something is a sin, and we do, and now we're confused? Again, uh, personal personal conviction. Um, you know, what is what do we always quote? Romans 14, you know, don't judge others by what you approve. Um, and don't look at someone else and go, okay, well, that's a sin, and that's a sin, and that's a sin. Uh, personal conviction, like I say, I know Christians who out of personal conviction don't eat meat um, and not just pork. They don't eat all sorts of meat because, um, you know, they've they've got the personal conviction not to eat meat. Um, does this make them any less saved? No, um, we are not to judge in eating and drink uh, in holy days. Uh, we are not to we are not to do this. So, yeah, if they eat pickles. Yeah, man, that's that's. Yeah, that's a tough one. If they're if they're pickling it, I would walk away from such a crowd. Um, I wouldn't spend too much time around people that eat pickles. Uh, that could be detrimental to your walk um, with God and your faith might fail. <laughs> your faith might fail. The, the real an- the real answer that I would give this person is I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but it sounds like what you're saying is there's this thing that you don't believe is a sin now that you've come, uh, you know, dug in your faith. However, you were raised this way. So no matter what, it always feels guilty when you feel like doing it. And in that situation, I would say then follow your conviction. And if you are, you know, upset that you have that conviction, then search on that and reflect on that and pray on that and, and, and bring comfort to yourself. But as long as that's there, don't go against what makes you feel wrong because maybe it really is wrong. I, Cause again, I don't know what this is. And maybe now you're being misled. Who knows? I, I We would need much more information on that. Yeah. Um, but at the end, and I don't want you to have to put out personal stuff right here. Uh, JD, can you throw the email up on screen just in case they don't have it uh, to send emails and, and, and talk with us? But basically what I'm saying is don't overthink it like you said. Yes, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And, and But there's context to that, as JD mentioned, right? Romans 14 is talking about these certain things that don't fall under the the clear cuts. Like, for example, if I feel like it's okay to 
cheat on my wife because it's I have faith in it and I feel like I have faith in it. That doesn't suddenly become no longer adultery because, well, it proceeded from faith because <laughs> th that's a clear cut <laughs> violation of God's instruction, right? Um, we're, we're, <laughs> that's not even funny, JD. And don't laugh at that. Um, but when we talk about smaller things like the celebration of certain days and, and eating of certain meats after all things have been la labeled as clean, right? Then we're going to have issues amongst different tribes and different sects. And they're going to be like, well, no, you can't do that. Yes, I can. And Paul's saying, hey, chill out. You know, they came to the Lord. They're, they're, they're going towards the Lord with this. But let someone sit here and say, well, yeah, I like to sacrifice goats for the Lord. No, Romans 14 does not defend that, right? So there's yeah. context to it. So again, I don't know what you're struggling with, but there's clear cut things that we know are sin. Romans 14 is about it's it. Romans 14 has nothing to do with your sexuality stuff. Romans 14 has nothing to do with how you treat other human beings. With, uh, like none of that. Romans 14 is 100% going to focus on things that are just you and, and focus towards God usually. Right? So the person who, like Paul says, the one who does not eat, and the one who does eat, both do it unto the Lord. The one who celebrates this day or celebrates all days does so unto the Lord. And that's why he goes in saying, keep your faith between you and God. Blessed is the man who's not judged himself by what he approves. Uh, if if you eat and you, and you believe it's wrong, then you have sinned because whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. It looks like he said, I'm still new in my faith. But how do you know that you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and truly believe also for the right reason. I wish I had the right answer for this, JD, because yeah. I so much. Yeah. But I have been learning that that isn't, there's no answer that anyone but yourself can give you on that. All I mm. can tell you is that you need to go, like, for example, if tomorrow we were flying out to, you know, Kentucky or something, I don't know, make up a place. If you said, Mike, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I truly trust planes or not. Like, I think I do. But, like, I don't know if it's real. Like, tomorrow when the moment comes, will I get on that plane? I can't. There's nothing I can do to change that. You, that's something you would have to ask yourself. Yeah. Do I truly believe this? Do I truly trust this? And maybe when I'm thinking about whether I truly trust this plane, what are some of the things I might reflect on? Okay, Mike, why is it again that I said I trust them in the first place? That's right, because all the flights have always been safe. The studies tell me it's safe. The mechanics and this, this, and that, right? So ask yourself, why did I trust Jesus in the first place? Does that still mm. ring true in my heart? Do I yeah. truly believe that? Would I give it all up today for him? Is there anything that I would be upset with if he took it from me? Because if there's anything that you take from me, Lord, that I'm going to be upset about, that's an idol. He should be able to take everything, even my wife and my kids. Not saying that I'm yeah. okay, like I'm, I'm going to be happy about it, but the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I would highly recommend self-reflection and reading scripture, growing closer to him, because the closer you grow to the Lord, the closer you'll realize if you truly are with him. Yeah. I mean, and it, it goes, this, this is, if we look at faith in, in, in the saving, the saving faith. And, and when we speak about saving faith, you know, Paul, Paul breaks down the gospel to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says, unless you have believed in vain. Um, so we know there, there are those who have vain belief in the gospel. We know that there are those who don't truly believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that he rose from the grave on the third day, according to the scriptures. Um, and when we look at, and 
as Mike said, this is one of those questions that you, each and every single one has to search their hearts. And the confidence comes in like, if we ask the question to ourselves, if Jesus Christ comes back right now, or if my life ends right now, am I confident that I'm going to be in the presence of God? As, as 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So are you confident in, in your salvation? Um, and this is where, this is a test of your faith. Um, and I'm not talking about having doubts. The doubt is something that creeps into every single Christian's mind. Um, and I'm not, I mean, we've got 93 people in the chat. I'm not saying if you doubt, then you're not saved. Um, Peter doubted. John doubted. Thomas doubted. You know, doubt is, 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 is it's a condition of the flesh. Um, but ultimately, where is your faith in? What have you placed your faith in? Because if it's in, in what you've done and how many poor people you've helped and how many demons you've cast out, and as we see very clearly, if your faith is in anything other than the finished work of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, you, you've misplaced your faith. Let's put it that way. I'm not yeah, saying you're not saved. I'm saying you've misplaced your faith. So he said, I trust God. I don't trust myself. Well, here's the answer to that. You don't have to trust yourself you because you play no part in it. Like, I want you to imagine for a second, you were watching a professional build a house from a distance. And he said, I'm about to be done. Would you be like, well, look, listen, man, I know you're about to finish building this house, but I just don't trust myself. The builder would be like, okay, you ain't building this house though. Like you, you, yeah. you're going to move in. I'm building it for you. But this has nothing to do with you. You, I'm building it for you. You've accepted to live here. Sit back and let me build it. Uh, it's okay that you don't trust yourself. I don't trust myself either. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Listen to me. God doesn't trust you either. People be like, I'm going to break God's trust. No, you're not because he never trusted you to begin with because he knows who you are. That'd be like me trusting Corbin. I don't trust Corbin with my life. He's not capable to protect my life yet. He's not capable to, to do things for my life yet. So I can't trust him um, in that to that extent. So, yeah, no, yeah. It, that, that, that focus on that trust of God part. Throw away that part that talks about I don't trust myself. Um, Danielle asked this question twice, uh, and I wanted to get to it, but we kept talking. But let me yeah. really quickly, because Danielle's here at every podcast. And if I see that you're here at every podcast, I'm going to make it my goal to try and address your questions to show my appreciation for you. She said, I've recently let my parents back in my life. Jehovah's witnesses. They know my faith, but are very passive aggressive. My father always does a prayer before family dinner to Jehovah. Should I allow this or excuse my fam? So I don't fully know the context of how these dinners are set up. However, um, if it's a family dinner and it's the family where your father is the head in, in your way to honor him, of course, you allow him to do what he does, right? Uh, if you feel convicted, then you can ask yourself to be excused. I see no problem with that at all. Like, hey, look, yeah. I've stated it. Uh, uh, or instead of excused, just the fact that I would step, sit back kind of, you know, and, and let them pray and I pray on my own. Uh, like, I'm not going to participate. Uh, now, yeah. as far as praying to Jehovah, there's nothing wrong with calling upon the Lord in the name of Jehovah. Many have done so and they're fine, right? Um, however, Jehovah's Witnesses, deny that Jesus is God. So that's the problem right there, right? They, yeah. they deny, Man. well, they got other issues as well. But I Amen. would say out of honor and respect, because what does the Bible teach us as Christians to be loving, kind, use our words to build up, uh, you know, 
at the end of the day, no one's <laughs> saying like, hey, you got to get out, bro, because it's his house. He, I mean, not his house. His, well, it might be. I don't know. But it's his family. Now, if it's your family only, and what I mean by that, so when I speak of family, I'm talking about your wife and kids and then whatever comes from that. If it's you and your family, like your husband, your kids, and then your dad's present there, then no, you have, I believe that you have the right to have your husband say, well, I lead prayer at my house. Yeah, your household. Right? Like, yeah, but yeah. if you're at his house, you respect Your house, it. different rule, um, yeah. Or or if it's over like- And then the same applies. He, 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 he has the right. Yeah, and yeah. the same applies, and he has the right to walk away. And and Daniel, um, I will point you to to Daniel. The the you know Daniel served four different kings, and 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 every single time, he he had a king who did not serve the God of 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 Israel. You know what I mean? And uh, he was. I mean, we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being being cast into the fire. We see Daniel being cast into the lions then for praying. Um, and ultimately, it is it is about acknowledging the fact that you don't believe the God they believe in. So if he's going to pray, go ahead and and let 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 him pray. But you don't have to participate. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> a really weak pun. <laughs> and uh, ultimately. Um, we we see that they carried on praying. They carried on praying to the God of Israel. They ca they continue to pray to the only true God. So if you're in his house, 100% respect his rules. That's who he's going to pray to. You do not have to participate. You can excuse yourself, um, but do so respectfully. And ultimately, if it's your house, you you pray to um, you pray to the one true living God. That's absolutely your right to do that. <laughs> super okay. weak you're you're super I weak realized what time it is and that means you got to go handle this stuff with your kid and stuff um is uh is is school going on your kids are out are they out no, for they finished. Break? yeah they 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 out they're, they're home um, that's awesome just making a noise <laughs> already <laughs> yeah already. they they yeah. they get up early bro so real quick before they get up I at like out, I'm, I'm really interested. Um, oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. I see now. I was noticing someone saying something in the comment section, and I misunderstood it, but then I re-looked at it. Oh man. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys. So we are. Let me open up the calendar just to make sure I don't give you guys the wrong date here. So we are headed out for the holiday break. You guys enjoy your holiday. I'm going to enjoy mine. JD's going to enjoy his. Uh, and it looks like we will not be back until the new year. So we will be back because I'm looking. Uh, yeah, I won't be back in time for next Wednesday's episode. So January 1st. So the new year episode, because uh, I know if it was the 31st, I wanted to ask you all to be up here late. I don't want to mess with your new year eve. But January 1st, we will be back with the 2024 opening episode of uh the podcast and with two weeks to prepare i'm gonna try and think of something to make that a fun episode as well because we got a whole year ahead of us to dive deep um i don't know maybe we'll do a a, a year in review and i'll find a bunch of fun clips i don't know maybe i hope so i i have high high hopes for things um <laughs> high high hopes uh yeah don't get me wrong you'll probably still see jd and myself between now and then because we both go live and discord and all types of stuff so uh and i'll be live on tiktok for a short minute after this also for anybody that will be doing the workout with my wife tomorrow morning just a reminder on that um I believe that she sent me a link to share with you guys. Uh, so I'm going to put the link up. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to post the link up in my page and then also I'll share it on discord. And then she also has put it in her link tree. So for the ladies and gentlemen that will be doing the workout with her, just a reminder on that. Uh, JD, do you have anything for the people before the holiday? Just God bless you guys. Stay in prayer. Um, thank you to everybody who's liked, subscribed, shared these videos, been with us over this past year during this podcast, everybody that's gotten involved um, in, in the food drive. One more week to go before we go out and, and try and bless as many people as we can. So thank you to everybody who got involved um, with that. Thank you to everybody that got involved with uh, Mike's thing as well and, and helping there. We truly appreciate all um, all of you come here every single podcast. Um, I, I see some of the same names again and again and again. Um, I'm not going to call you all out individually, but I do see you. I really appreciate you. Thank you for all the questions tonight. Um, truly edifying, um, good questions, um, and was awesome, as always, just chatting to you. Um, I am going to close this one out tonight in prayer just to uh, end this one in prayer. We haven't ended off in prayer in a while, but over this holiday season that you will all be safe and, and be blessed um, with your families. Um, and again, Remember, Jesus is the reason for the season, man. <laughs> and uh, that is the main thing. Preach the gospel wherever you go. Tell someone about the goodness of Christ. Um, and ultimately, this is what we do. We sow these seeds wherever we go, however we can. And the right uh, open hearts that are searching will find them. Chinga, chinga, chinga. Anyway. I heard sow them seeds and I got excited. <laughs> You heard he said, sow them seeds. Anyway. Here we go again. Okay, there we go. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, an awesome year. We thank you for the birth of your son. We thank you for sending your only son um, to take on the sins of the world. Lord, I pray for each and every single one of our brothers and sisters who are scattered all over the world, that you are with them during this period. For those who are going through difficult times, that you will be with them and soften their hearts. And we pray that each and every single one of us will continue to look up and continue to be grateful, that you will keep us humble and contrite, and that we will walk in love. And that even when we are questioned and pinned against the post for our faith, that we will be bold and that we will not cower in times of adversity lord please bless those who are less fortunate during this period and that you will guide us all and help us all to to reach out to those who are less fortunate and that we may be the helping hand of god during this beautiful time we praise your name we bless your name in jesus name we pray amen god bless you all and uh see y'all on the first whoa well, look at that we're at the end huh so yeah i guess uh yeah, like the live, do all that stuff, and God bless and go in peace, I guess. Yeah, go in and go in. Go in all the night. Don't be a child. I should never have gave him that power. <laughs>
clip it. Clip it. I'm clipping it. If you don't clip it, 